Chat on This are a series of conversations designed to be thought-provoking, informative, and offer an empowering approach towards well-being for your family. Brought to you by Advanced Health Chiropractic. Here we are again, and uh, this particular uh, focus for us on Chat on This is winter wellness. And I am so happy to report for the first time in what seems like such a long time, we've had consecutive sunny days here in Auckland, New Zealand, which is so exciting. Today, we are welcoming the fabulous Angela Osborne. Now, Angela's a naturopath, a clinical nutritionist with a master's in health science. She has a postgraduate diplomat in clinical nutrition and a BSc in natural medicine and herbal medicine. She's a certified FODMAP practitioner and functional medicine um, uh, practitioner, along with a a focus on nutrigenomics, uh, which is very fascinating. And we're very excited because we're actually going to be talking with Christine Horton um, in a couple of weeks, which will be very good. So Angela became interested in natural health, nutrition and functional medicine after years of struggling with her own health. Out of a determination to learn ways to improve her own health as well as her children's and finding a passion to help others to do the same, Angela left a career as a bank manager to restudy and complete her bachelor degree in naturopathy and a postgrad in nutrition and a master's in health science. You're amazing. Your quest for knowledge is very admirable. She's currently working in clinical practice, specializing in adults and children's health, focusing on digestive disorders, diet, and lifestyle. Angela sees patients worldwide and offers private consultations online and face-to-face in her Auckland-based Central City office. Angela strongly believes all children deserve a healthy start in life and has spent many years learning about children's health under the mentorship of both Gina Wilson, who we've also had on the podcast, and other integrative uh, paediatricians and organizations. She knows that as children grow, they have an increased susceptibility to illness from exposure to environmental toxins and nutrient deficiencies than adults. As a mind foundation practitioner, she focuses on pediatric disorders such as ADHD, asthma, allergies, chronic illness, fussy eating, learning delay, and digestive and behavioral disorders, recurring recurring colds, which is what I really want to talk about, frequent ear infections, constipation, reflux, learning difficulties, rashes, bedwetting, and temper tantrums. Essentially... Child health complaints can be a sign of an underlying condition, which is what I'm sure we're going to delve into today. And early treatment can have a massive impact on their ongoing development. It's such a pleasure to welcome you on to chat on this, Angela. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for that wonderful big introduction. Well, it's 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 necessary because it you have done an incredible amount of um, learning, obviously in the past, and then also you've uh, layered that upon your amazing experience with the clients that you work with. Now, I would love you to start off by telling our wonderful listeners a little bit about yourself and why you're so amazingly passionate about natural health. Where do I start? Um, Well, I've always been naturally minded. Um, My parents were incredibly traditional. Um, They grew most of the food that we ate. I learned from a very young age the importance of food. 
However, in my late teens, like most teenagers, I rebelled and overindulged in junk food, drunk a bit too much alcohol, did all those sorts of things. And when I was 19, I got really, really sick. And later I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. This is when I started, I was told at the time that diet had nothing to do with my symptoms and that medication was the only way to go, which, you know, we know now things are different. And thank goodness gastroenterologists are much more knowledgeable now than they were then. But I noticed with playing with my own diet and my own environment, I could see a difference in my symptoms. But it wasn't until my youngest child was born and he was born with ongoing health complications that I really immersed myself in studying natural medicine and nutrition, genomics and integrative and functional medicine. Um, and then the more I learned, the more passionate I became, the more I saw in regards to my clients on how unique our body and everyone is and looking at a person as a whole, not just their symptoms. And I found it's not about, not just about healing symptoms or anything like that. It's about realigning and reconnecting and learning to listen to what our bodies are trying to tell us. And in my clinic, I see a lot of recurring infections, sleeping, behavioral issues, and children with multiple, multiple rounds of antibiotics. And majority of these problems are quite simple to fix, which sounds terrible because they have been through a big deal. But they were just resolved in a matter of weeks with proper nutritional support and treatment of the underlying cause. I so love that. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's um it's very empowering, particularly as a parent, to know that you have more control than perhaps you realise with yeah. regards to your children's health. Uh, the focus, uh, the predominant focus, it seems, is that um, you know our health is the consequence of our environment. Yeah. But what we do know is that also, um, yes, it is absolutely. But it's also and, and our genes is what people will tell us. But yes. there's so much that we can do to help build that healthy um, immune response so that our children can thrive. Now, something many, many children, um, as we're in our winter months in the Southern Hemisphere, um, and infants really struggle, particularly at this time of, of year, during our winter months, with these recurrent colds and illnesses. Uh, and ear infections tend to come up as well. Why do you think this is? The reason for this is our younger children seem to get more colds, earaches and other infections than adults because their immune system and their microbiomes are still developing. Mm -hmm. The children's immune systems have had less exposure to a lot of the pathogens, making them more susceptible to illness. And during winter, children also have an increased rate of strep infections, such as strep throat. And the bacteria that are responsible for the strep infections thrive in the colder and the drier environments. The other reasons children struggle more is that bacteria and viruses enter the body through their nose, mouth and eyes. And as you know with any children, they're always rubbing their eyes, they're picking their nose and they're con having that constant hand-to-mouth contact, which increases the rate of exposure. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, logically one would think, well, we need to avoid all of those things and uh, – try and if you like wrap our children up in cotton wool but what we know is that actually that exposure is what helps develop that maturing of that immune system I'm sure you're going to get into that actually so why is it that um, we do experience more of these illnesses over the winter months you have touched on that um, but let's explore that a little bit further so from a holistic um, perspective, it's really central to view why the illness is worse in the winter. There are many factors that can be the cause of that. 
They include stress, lack of sleep, emotional well-being, and they all have an impact on our immune system. So during winter, with the colder weather, less daylight, children experience higher levels of stress. They've got a change in their sleep patterns. They mm. also experience a lot lower mood, which we'll get into shortly. And they, this causes also a weaker, caused by a weaker immune system. Mm. So our immune systems become more vulnerable to many, many factors. So a lot of them, um, the main one, of course, is the lower um, sun exposure, which decreases our levels of vitamin D. So the vitamin D is critical to our immune function. Insufficient levels of vitamin D has been linked to increased susceptibility to respiratory infections and other immune system um, disorders. There was also an increase of pathogen exposure in winter, which you said is actually a good thing because it builds our immune system Mm -hmm. over a period of time. So it's not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it can be caused by closer contact with other people, um, just increased exposure um, and transmission of reincurring colds and things like that from other people who have illnesses. Our environments is also a lot drier in winter. We have central mm. heating, we have um, keep all the doors closed, we have poor ventilation. And what happens is with these drier environments, it can irritate the respiratory system, making it easier for the viruses to take hold in the body. So the dry nasal passages that we have are less effective at filtering out those pathogens and it makes the children more susceptible to catching these illnesses. Hmm. Yeah. The other thing is when we close all the doors and close up for winter, we, of course, have that lack of ventilation going through. So we have a lot more stale air. We hmm. get accumulation of the dust mites and the allergens and irritants hmm. that also increase the risk of infection, as well as dietary factors. Um, we have changes in our diet of course there's not the abundant fresh fruit and vegetables and a lot of things are out of season when food is stored when we're eating food that is out of season and it's stored for a long time it loses its nutritional value so therefore it's not as good for us as it was when it's seasonally so it's really important to eat seasonally um and also the consumption of processed foods, snacks and sugars and things and dairy products seems to go also up in winter, more of that comfort food, which weakens our immune system. I also see a higher rate of food intolerances during winter. This is caused by a weakened immune system. It's caused by food that's not quite as nutrient rich as they are in the summer. It's also caused by other environmental loads, such as mold exposures as well, mm. which brings us onto the damp houses. Mm. as well yeah so the damp houses increases of course the dampness which increases the presence of mold and it creates an environment where the mold can grow and have a detrimental effect on our respiratory health Mm. yeah that's a really big problem in new zealand isn't it um and particularly auckland is a very humid um environment I know um, our government's doing its best to try and regulate for healthier homes. And of course, we all understand the importance of that. But um, definitely mould is a massive, massive, massive issue. There's lots of information out there actually talking about how we can try and rid our houses of mould, but also how to identify that. Uh, We did explore in our podcast earlier on a little bit about mold, but it's a massive topic, um, but something that we do need to take quite seriously, uh, particularly for our children. Yeah. So um, that's a wealth of knowledge. Can you tell us um, how we can 
help promote good immune function naturally um, and how we can keep our families well this winter. What are your top tips? Oh, I have lots of those. (laughs) Okay, first of all, because I'm very food focused, (laughs) it's definitely to eat really nutrient rich meals. Um, I recommend to all my clients to shop at the local farmer's market where possible. Yeah. Food at the uh, the local farmer's market is sourced locally. It normally has fewer pesticides. Um, There's more options of organic produce at the Mm. markets. The nutrients are more, uh, sorry, the food is more nutrient rich. The reason being is the growing in soils that have got more nutrients in the soil. When the food comes from our supermarket, they're very commercially grown, lots of artificial fertilizers, and the plants are replanted in the same soil over and over and over again. And this degrades our soil. We're at the farmer's market. You're buying produce that are out of people's gardens, basically, mm-hmm. small lifestyle blocks. So the soil is a lot better quality. So therefore, we're getting a lot more nutrients per mouthful of food. And the added benefit, of course, is farmer's markets generally are a lot cheaper than supermarkets, especially now. Yeah. And the other thing is to enjoy really warm, hearty winter meals, slow cooked stews, winter roasts, lots of root vegetables, dark leafy greens. And enjoy a, a nice variety of the winter veggies um, and fruit. You'll see that Mother Nature actually provides us with what we need for the season ahead. So if we look, for instance, coming into autumn and winter, there is an f- abundance of citrus um, and f- foods that are high in vitamin C. So this is basically preparing our body for what we need to get us through the winter. Um, so there's lots of persimmons and kiwi fruit and things like that to help us build that immunity. Um there is also abundance of things like garlics and ginger and herbs and thymes and things like that that we can put in our meals that also help to build immunity um, and to give us a good immune system. And winter veg such as cauliflower and broccoli and root vegetables are really, really high in fibre and they're really, really good at feeding our digestive system and microbiome. So a little bit more about our microbiome is for those who have not too... <laughs> Sure, but it's basically our inner zoo. So it's the thing that where our immune system sits, it's basically what we need to keep us healthy. So the gut houses a significant portion of our immune system and an imbalance of the gut bacteria weakens the immune function. Unfortunately, during winter, there is often a consumption, high consumption of processed food and mm-hmm. a lower intake of the fiber-rich foods which promote the healthy gut microbiome. So we need to encourage children to consume more probiotic rich foods like yogurts and kefir and sauerkraut and fermented veggies to help support this diversity um, and to help support the gut's microbiome. Um, We also need to start the day. Um, I also recommend my clients to actually start with a really rich, like a protein rich breakfast opposed Mm. to just cold cereal and milk. Mm. This gets them warmer. It also keeps them fuller for longer um, and it also stops those blood sugar spikes so we don't get hungry again at nine o'clock in the morning. We're kind of full for a lot longer. So a nice high protein breakfast would be like bacon and eggs or sausages or even some hot oatmeal or some chia seed pudding or so- something like, you know, with the chia seeds. Um, also, um, the other reason not for cereal is sugar. <laughs> so a lot of our cereals contain high levels of sugar. Mm. And there's a lot of studies out there that show that even the smallest amount of sugar can suppress our immune system for several hours. Mm. And when we've got a lot of bacteria going on in the air, we've got a lot of things going on in a weakened immune system for the lower vitamin D and everything that's going on, the last thing we want is anything to impact our immune system even further. 
So we need to make sure that we're reducing the refined sugars out of our diet and the processed food to mm. keep our immune system mm. as strong as possible, as well as to keeping hydrated as well. Mm. Um, ensure children are drinking enough water throughout the day. Generally, as they're colder, they don't feel like drinking. <laughs> so it's important to ensure that they do drink. And also, um, purple teas are great for kids. Kids love them. And especially they love, generally, um, hot lemon and ginger drinks with a little bit of honey as well. Yeah. Um, and also having diets that are full of nutrient-rich foods like vitamin D foods, um, which comes down to those stews and roasts that I was talking about. So basically, this is where meat comes in. Um, basically, we've got like the mince and steak, liver, salmon, egg yolks and sardines, as well as full cream, um, full fat dairy products are very high in the vitamin D3 that we need. And mushrooms are a really good source of vitamin D2 when they've been exposed to light as well. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, there's so many different points I, I want to touch back on. Um, and um, so first of all, um, one food, I love the idea of, of, of having our, our lovely um, slow-cooked meals uh, over winter months, and it's, it's a very nice, nourishing, easy, digestible way of getting our nutrients in. Uh, with a lot of those prebiotics, those onions and garlics and, and gingers and things. Bone broth is another thing that has become very popular, which I'm very pleased to see. Um, I have to say I'm not always making my own bone broth. I know I should, but it does take time. But there are some really good um, commercially produced uh, bone broths um, in the market now. Um, there is one, and I just wonder whether you have an opinion, that is actually a dehydrated bone broth that you can buy readily at the supermarket. Um, do you have an opinion on a dehydrated bone broth over a, um, a liquid, um, you know, ready from the, the, the crock pot, as it were? I prefer, if you can get the liquid, it's yep. definitely, um, I prefer that over the powdered. Um I actually do have a nice recipe for bone broth that you make in the slow cooker on my website. Um, you can buy it commercially made as well as a liquid from um, certain supermarkets and pharaohs. With, but when time is tight, and of course a lot of people you know, can't be at home cooking bone broth every day and things like that, the powdered bone broth is a really, really good substitute to have. And it's really good. It's something that um, adults can take to work and have in their have in the office and just put a, a teaspoon and have some bone broth mm. um, and it's really good just to add to existing recipes to add as yes. extra flavor as well mm. um and it's got a little bit of collagen it's got everything going on in there so it's a really really good thing to do and it's really simple to actually make into a soup so you just add a bit of bone broth add some chopped veggies add some noodles or whatever you're wanting to do and suddenly you've got a soup um beautiful much better than the packaged, pre-packaged soup, so, um, which yes. contains lots and lots of additives and lots yeah. of nasties. In fact, more nasties than val uh, than good. Goodness, <laughs> I know yeah. it's such a trick. Actually, you know, a lot of our health foods are touted as being healthy, um, mm -hmm. but we really we do have to be those label warriors and just really look at what has been added into that food. Uh, we will, we will, if that's all right with your permission, we'll um, add in the bone broth link um, on the show notes because that is something that will encourage our people to help um, because it does help build that beautiful immunity. Now, something a little bit off um, 
off topic slightly is we talked you talked beautifully about soil quality um, and the fact that um, if our soils are depleted uh, we're not necessarily getting the nutrients that we should from our, our foods um, something popped into my inbox somehow um, yesterday and it was national uh, as in the government um, uh, talking about if they get voted in one of the um, areas of legislation they would really like to uh, bring in effect um, is the end of effective uh, um, sorry end the effective ban on gene editing and gene modification in New Zealand um, and to create a dedicated regulator um, to ensure safe and ethical use of biodiversity. Now, I don't know a lot about this, but from a fundamental conceptual point of view, when I first read that, I wasn't going to read the email, but the, my curiosity got the better of me. And I thought, you know, on first read, I was like, absolutely, I don't think that that is the way forward, that um, we need to be very mindful um, and I am talking personally now of, you know, genetically modified foods um, because of the impact they may have on our evolving um, biodiversity and our, um, our gut, our gut health. However, as I read forward, um, what I understand or, or one of their, their points that they speak to is that if we have genetic modification, the upside of that may be that we have to use less fertilizers and pesticides and sprays. Mm. And I that suddenly pricked my interest because I thought, well, that sounds good, mm -hmm. but is it? And I don't know. What, what are your views on this? I am very um, against genetically modified foods. We don't know what the implications are mm -hmm. uh, long term. It's... Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of things that are coming out. Um, we just don't have the research there. Um, you're playing with nature, um, mm -hmm. and we just don't really know what the outcome is. Yes, that is a benefit in the sense of using less sprays. We have a huge problem here, which is a completely other subject, but we do have a huge problem with the amount of glyphosates and things like that we mm -hmm. have on our foods. That's mm -hmm. really basically is like an atomic bomb going into our microbiome. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's it's a really, really difficult one. In a perfect world, we'd all go back to organic gardening and growing our own and things like that. But it, unfortunately, that is not realistic. And that's where yeah. I do love the farmer's markets because a lot of people are doing that for us. Yeah, um, yeah. They are growing the old heirloom varieties. They're growing things as close to nature as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, uh, no. Yeah. If I, I, qualified, I will not go near it personally. No. And yeah. I think, I think from my point of view, and again, I'm not as educated in this area as, as obviously as you are, but in a simplistic view, what we do know about our gut and about our, our human biology is that it evolves very, very, very slowly. Okay. And so a lot of these changes that we're introducing um, across the board are things that the body and its evolution haven't quite caught up with. Yeah. So when we start to tamper with things such as food, which is what we need in order to thrive with regards to health and well-being, you know, we do need to be mindful that perhaps um, on face value, it looks like it's a wonderful um, health and vibing thing, but maybe our body isn't equipped yet to process 
um, that modification. No, and this is where the, the study of uh, epigenomics comes in, which you will learn more in your future podcasts. Um, but basically, it's the environment that turns these things on and off. And when we're playing with our food, <laughs> I think there's a higher risk of these things to be turned on, these particular genes that we have inherited, which normally wouldn't in certain circumstances. So we will, I think, see more more levels of disease and more levels of illness when we start playing with nature. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my philosophy is eat as close to basically as your grandparents did as possible. Um I actually did my thesis in a lot of work around the current processing of food and how that affects epigenetics and the disease and the progression. And it was quite fascinating to see the amount of healthy food in the supermarket, which has been touted as healthy, again, with a lot of genetically um, ingredients and a lot of chemicals and things like that. Um, Yes, Mm. (laughs) It's, it's a big 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 rabbit hole that you can go down and absolutely um, really do need to start reading labels and being aware of what we are putting in our mouths absolutely absolutely well it has been an absolute delight Angela thank you so much for taking the time Uh, we look forward to speaking with you again sometime in the future and um, I know that your amazing uh, advice and your top tips will help us as a community live a much happier, healthier winter. So thank you very much. Thank you.